Welcome to the latest episode of Imagining a New Economy, brought to you by People First Companies. I'm your host, Mia Voss, and our guest is Andy Lyons, four-time founder, a startup champion, and host of the popular live stream show, Startup Life Live. In this episode, we talk about the importance of diversity and equity when hiring employees and how it's a recipe for success. Tune in. Hi, Andy. Hello, Mia Voss. I am so excited to hear what you're going to tell us today. We're going to have a delicious conversation about something that's very important for us to move forward in. And you know what's great about this conversation is that when I was finishing up my MBA in 1989, the professor of the last class shared this wonderful insight. She said, you have to understand in the 21st century, because we were still in the 20th century, right? 21st century, it's not going to be about the dollar. It's not going to be what you're paying people. It's going to be about trust. And it's going to be about how you value your employees, how you value your team members. You got given that nugget back in 1989? Yeah. And I thought, oh, that's interesting as an observer. Sure. Because we were like 80s folks. We were all about the dollar. Oh, yes. Yeah. They get gimme, gimme, me, me, me generation. And now... Now look where we are. Right. So this conversation is even more timely today. Absolutely. Because we can see it's not working, right? The great resignation. You know, when once people downsized their lives and they realized they could live on a little less, they became Mm -hmm. a little more aware of what they were tolerating on their hamster wheel. And so they said, you know, I don't think I really need that. I can go without these sneakers, these clothes, these dinners out. I had to, I couldn't go out for several months. So Mm -hmm. I think I'm going to just take a step back. And certainly that's not everyone, but honestly, when you look at the, from bag handlers to folks working at McDonald's, you know, it was across the board at every level. It was. And it wasn't just because there was some subsidizing going on as the government should be doing during a pandemic, but it gave people time to really rethink Mm -hmm. and what they were not willing to tolerate anymore and going deeper. It was a movement that had started, but hadn't taken action yet. So I've been very excited because a lot of companies love to talk about how they do good, right? Mm -hmm. And they have all their marketing cause, uh, we donate here, we donate there, but they're never looking internally to do good. And the studies show and the data shows that when you put employees number one on your priority list, your business will soar. So I'm so happy we're talking about this now because we have B Corps out there in the world, right? Mm -hmm. It's really tough to register your business as a B Corp. That's a benefit corporation. You have a lot of hurdles that you have to prove uh, that you're meeting. The bar is high to be a social impact company, but a lot of companies really want that. And, you know, the salary discrepancy from the C-suite down to the person who's cleaning the floors is unacceptable. And people are saying, I don't want to work there. Right. I don't want to work at a place that's like that anymore. I agree. And, and now the voices have gotten louder because it's very hard to be that voice and be the only one. And everybody else is like, what's the problem? Go along with it. I, I view it as deprogramming. Unlearning. That's what Gloria Steinem says. It's not you know teaching people. It's unlearning. <laughs> it's so true because if that's all you knew and that's, you know, that's the old adage of the, you know, 
get that job, go to college, get that job, stay in that, retire. I mean, we know that's obviously with the downturn from 2008, that kind of got blown up and people did get out there and get courageous and start that dog walking business or start that, you know, photography school and that type of thing. And now I feel like we're on that second iteration of it, of, but, but in a large scale. And I do agree. I think the pandemic just rocketed that into space. And of course we know, which is why we talk about imagining a new economy. The pandemic really showed the cracks in the system that existed already, but you just couldn't ignore it any longer. It's really hard to get people to give up their home at your mm-hmm. life anymore. I mean, and what was so great, people knew, I mean, remote work, the book came out in what, 2007, mm-hmm. how to manage remote teams, how to work remotely, all of that. But the large corporations with all the cubicles did not have the data. So the pandemic, the silver lining was it gave us the data. Wow, they are productive at home. And mm-hmm. I know for me, just going for walks around the hood, I'm seeing mom and dad out with the kids in the morning, cheering them on and waving goodbye. I mean, it's a whole different world. Yes, you know, the dentists all have to get to where they're going and the mm-hmm. restaurant workers, et cetera. But there is a new economy out there that honors where people live and their community and not uprooting them from their community. And really the industrial revolution shifted that level of community into that individualized headspace, right? This is about, you're going to come and work for us during these hours and you're going to perform this way and you're going to be evaluated and rewarded accordingly. And these reward things, I mean, we'll we'll talk a little bit about that, but gosh, you know, employee recognition, now people are like, wait a minute, this isn't fun. You're just, yeah. you know, you've got a handful of people. You're, and it's not like we want a trophy for everybody. It's not that. It's just like it continues the left out feeling, and it you know, does that's not what people are looking for. So I'm excited to have this conversation. Me with too. You and me of us. Yes, and we we're diving into it already. And I want to interject into that thought as as far as that that corporate mindset that even looped into the way the and the the the, the siloing that even looked looped into city design and into architecture yes. with the houses that you know you you don't even come in the front you just come in the alleyway and you can and being a little bit of an outgoing introvert yes i do love that a little bit but i can just kind of like pull into my car my garage and and not interact but that has been baked into every way that that cities systems jobs careers were designed to kind of keep us apart from each other, which is, you know, when you're, I mean, that's the opposite of community. That's right. And, you know, women suffer enough from being an independent performer, an individual performer. Mm -hmm. Folks, you have to understand just a little sidebar. A man looks around the room and says, who do I have to do this better than? Mm -hmm. Okay. Mm -hmm. A woman looks around the room and says, I need to be the best. Yes. So, so it's exhausting. It, it is. And it's it's programmed into us too. Talk a little bit about now, of course, your background, you you have talked to so many founders. And I I we're gonna have the links to Andy's show in the show notes of all these different startup uh, startup foundations, but then you've also have experience with corporations and your husband's in that corporate world as well. So you've this you've you've been and seen all the different sides of it too. So you're seeing what, obviously we were talking about what's not 
working. So talk to me about, especially with female founders or having women in spaces of, of C-suite and in positions of, of management and in positions of, of making decisions based on what you just said, like yeah. the difference between how men and women can uh, traditionally been, approach it. It's been such a struggle as women really went into the workforce in professional, serious professional roles, law, finance, mm-hmm. et cetera, in the eighties, trying to struggle to own being a woman and their femininity and not act like the men yet have to act like the men. Oh, I got to take up golf now because that's where Mm -hmm. the good conversations are. Oh, I've got to go to the bar and have beers because that's where the good conversations are. We've had to come a long way to bring the conversations to where we are, Mm -hmm. but also to be in solidarity, which again, you're struggling against centuries of indoctrination. Women have been forced to compete against each other since the beginning of time because the male protected the female and her children. So our cave woman brain looks at another woman uh, automatically as a threat to her safety. And so we've had to unprogram and unlearn so much from that so that we collaborate and that we celebrate. So, you know, the bigger picture, the new economy is that you have companies that are forming And they want to be profitable. And the data is showing us that when you have diversity, when you have women-led businesses, when you have diversity in your company, you're going to make more money, bottom line, okay? And then you add to the the equation, when you value them, Mm -hmm. it just productivity goes through the ceiling. So to come back to the women-led, women-founders, It's a constant struggle every single day on every level. We have the bro culture that we feel completely uh, microaggressed by. We have the assumptions. We always have to talk in in a preventive way instead of a proactive way, meaning the questions investors send out to women are always, well, what are you going to do when this goes wrong? They never say that to the guys. That is proven, by the way, folks, we're not just over here ranting about this. Uh, Andy, yeah. we've talked to you and you've interviewed and we've mm-hmm. seen so many different podcasts and interviews with women. And I have it on my other podcast too, of the the, the difference in the questions. And, and you know what I want to point out too, the way that you said it, it just makes so much sense because I know that a lot of companies feel like they have to check these boxes when it comes to diversity and equity, but it should be that you, you, you can't lose when you do this, right? It's that unlearning of, oh my gosh, now we have to change things up. Now we have to, uh, you know, get changing stations or all these different things. And now that we're bringing women into this, and I know that sounds a little archaic, but, but when you think about the, the stats that are out there of how much more successful it is when you diversify, when you have that mix of energies and the different cultures and the different uh, genders, that's a win-win, not just a, I have to do it because I'm supposed to. And I, I really feel like that's a new economy mindset as well, too, of recognizing Absolutely. it, what's right in front of you. It's yes. so important. And it's the women leaders within the organization, plus their executive coaches who are experts or consultants who are experts on this topic that are helping them break down the barriers and make a more inclusive environment. But at the same time, women have been indoctrinated to do business 
white guys. So you have mm-hmm. to, they have to sort of dissolve that expectation as well. Yes. On, on both sides. It always reminds me that this famous line from working girl, when Melanie Griffith shows up at the bar and Harrison Ford says, you're dressed like a, like a woman should be dressing. So there's a little bit of, you know, there's a little bit of problematic to it. He said, but as opposed to, cause this was in the eighties and I was in the corporate world in New York at that time when that movie came out, as opposed to what a woman thinks a man thinks of a man right. should dress like. It's very interesting when you say that, that dialogue always goes through Are my head. Kidding? And that's I've how got women- a head. For a business. head for business and, <laughs> and a, a body for sin. <laughs> I always love that, but well, I think that's something where women can take back that uh, the the way that we even think. And I I talk about this a lot for um, women in business that we we have we do have these intuitive ways baked into us because of you know specifically we have to stay safe. We we are constantly have it an, an intuition or. Uh, a lookout kind of spidey sense type of thing going on. And I love the idea of intuition. So in combining intuition and information for business. And I think if, if corporations and companies are going to incorporate this more, I want to talk about some examples of, of what to do, what has worked that you've seen of companies that are incorporating more well, the you know, and this it. is what in my lane, which is the startup lane, this can be really difficult to do, but it's proven time and again, mm-hmm. when you launch your business, taking time out to understand what your culture is going to look and feel like, coupled with how are you going to do diversity? And a lot of times they're just trying to get talent in the door at half the salary, right? Mm-hmm. Who's going to, take? well, I don't care. Black, white, gay, don't care. And no, you have to care. Mm. All right. You have to be just as strategic as you are with who you hire to develop your product, whether it's tech or any product. Mm. You have to be that way about the people. And a lot of times they'll say, well, I'll do that once I get things off the ground. Too late. You're going to have to work Mm. so much harder. And the the numbers continue to show that when you take time to do this, you are going to move and build faster and you will have better revenue. You will have the diversity on your team will bring greater insights to your customers (laughs) because you're not viewing it from a homogeneic, I don't know if that's the right word, point of view or lens. Yes. But But the other thing that is so very, very important as a leader and we had a great example of it for the last four months with the Ukrainian president. And that is valuing your people. Like they are so important. And, and you know, Adam Grant, the wonderful statistician, if you don't follow him, follow him everywhere you, you can. He wrote the book Originals, but he did a study. And when people experience gratitude from their manager, they're more productive. and uh, more research showed that teams perform tasks better when their members believe that their colleagues respect and appreciate them. So even though we love The Office as a show to watch or The Simpsons or Martin Family, they're constantly tearing each other down. Right. That, and and that, can- that form of entertainment, I mean, it's it's interesting. You know, Andy, I had a situation recently I was working with someone and, uh, you know, me as a consultant and I had someone that was very, uh, checking in and kind of just, just a little hovering. Right. And I 
was fascinated to watch how that disrupted my brain power and my and and how how I put things together. I it was like somebody had you know stuck that stick in your bike spoke. Do you know? Right. What you and mean? You went, ah. I did, and I was able to call it out. But it was so interesting at the time to to observe it and say, "Wow, this is what it looks like when someone is you know hovering or micromanaging or you know getting in on your space." And so as and I'm not. We always say we're we're you know happily unemployable. What, what's your tagline? Happily unemployable since something. Hello, right. my name. Hello, my name is Andy. I've been unemployable since 1992. <laughs> I fell off I'm, the wagon twice. Man, me too. Since uh, 2001 was was my uh, my official acknowledging of my unemploy- unemployability, but my ability to be fiercely independent and still be a team player with folks. So I, it's just really interesting to. To, to when you well, say that yeah. and, and I viewed it in, in, in real time recently of like, Oh my goodness. Yes. Like, wow. I mean, it's tangible. It's tangible also, what it feels like when you're not being supported. And women, you know, we get too caught up in what we would call the Martha Stewart way of being as a founder in a startup, you have to hand it over to them. And just like with your kids, they have to stumble, they have to fall and you have to look at them and go great learning moment. Let's talk about how we could do this better. What Mm -hmm. are your thoughts? What did you learn from that? What can we do better at that? Give them that space. Give them that empathy that because then they're going to go and they're going to do better. They're going to learn more, you know, instead of feel safe, you made a mistake, right? There's a safety in that. And I think providing safety for, for your, for your teams. I mean, just, and you said that too, like how much well employees do with, with the valuing. And, right. and I mean, now more than ever, I think everybody's going to be looking to, to see, uh, you know, they're, they're looking to companies and you can see it pretty plainly. Obviously we have Glassdoor and things like that, but you can see it plainly on all of social media folks yes. that are, um, you know, there's receipts out there. There are receipts of, of who's not, uh, right. who's not so, stepping up. I just shared a, a, Oh, go ahead. Oh, I just shared a meme today of, of today's, uh, not to not to make this non evergreen, but today is July first, and I shared a meme of uh, companies that you know co- corporate companies that were flying the pride flag during the month of June. And it was one of they just sort of shutting the face in the door of the pride Loved flag, it. like see Loved you later. It. And I think there's things like that where you know, especially with women making eighty five percent, if not more, of the overall buying decisions of paying attention to. What company, you know, and and no matter what side of the of the aisle on you're on, yeah. uh, you know, you you what are you voting? Where where are you using your dollars as as a as a vote in a sense of that's of right what companies you want to support. It and it's important. And so I want to say two things about that. One, yes, you can vote with your dollars. Meaning, think about this when you buy from a company. Would you want to work there? Mm-hmm. So you know, have that as a little bit of a barometer check. Buy from a place that you would want to work from at. Two oh, great mindset to think. I love that. It's so it's so important. And then, golly, I hope I can remember the number two from what you were saying. Um, anybody who's listening, you know, leaders, uh, team, leaders of teams, groups, leadership in the C-suite, 
please take this in. This is a daily practice. This is a learning opportunity. I'll give you an example. I had a conversation recently with a gentleman from the Boston startup ecosystem, and he reached out to me because he had a great idea for a networking event that wasn't startup-y, okay, but it mm-hmm. still brought startup folks together and the community together, where we get together for drinks and great conversation, but the, the money that we, the 20 bucks entry fee would go to a good cause, and I loved that idea. And so, because it can't always be about business, right? You want the human connection. And I said, well, tell me more, who's involved? And he said, well, I, and then I've got my board and he named these two white guys. And I said, you know, nice enough guys. That's wonderful. Where's the woman? Where's the person of color that you're having on your team as you launch this? He goes, well, I'll deal with that when we start. And I said, well, I, I'm going to just bow out right now and wish you good luck. I will not be involved with a new endeavor that doesn't honor diversity. Right from the and beginning. Not a, I'll right do it from later. the beginning. Yes. Right from the, the beginning. Yes. I never would have been able to say that three years ago or, you yeah. know, before Trump was voted in. Um, sure. You know, I it's standing up now and just saying, I'm not participating unless everyone's participating. And you can make that effort. Okay. You can. And I, and just to, to be clear to everyone out there listening, this is not any kind of uh, slam towards, uh, you know, mentioning white men. It's, they have a lot of the power. Please, we, we need you to, to stand up as well. And I'm going to give a plug for People First, which is the company that's, that hosts this podcast. That's specifically what they're doing is that, yes, they are going to be they are featuring companies that do exactly that. So that's what I love too, is we can go to the website and say, hey, right. I love how this company is. And, and as you know, I love being a cheerleader for the things I love. I so highly encourage that for people of the companies that that you love. Go to peoplefirstcompanies.net and nominate a company. Go and write Google reviews, upload pictures, yes. tell your friends about these companies. I mean, isn't that that's something that I know you love and I love is these these short little blurb stories of companies that uh, that stepped up and did something great or are treated their their employees well and not in a performative way either. But they're transparent, so yeah. they'll say, "Here's where we started. Here's where we are today." Sure, that removes lip service. Yes. Okay, and that yeah. removes like it, that keeps everybody going internally. Wow, the company said it was good. You know how good it feels when someone does what they say they're going to do, right? Yes. Yes. And it makes you trust and value up as well as they're valuing down, so to speak. You know, in the leadership thing. Um, yes. Agenda. And yeah, I there's a wonderful company in Boston called Tapple. They're an av- advertising service as a software SaaS company, and they're really you do this wonderful QR code for advertisers to really understand who's buying and when they buy and why they buy. And okay. this is his third company, Dean Hansen's, and he follows the theory called I don't know if I'll say it right. Everybody's Ubuntu U B U N T U. So Ubuntu, Ubuntu, and it's about creating synergy and cohesion together Mm. because it means, it's an African word, it means I am because you are. I can apply that in so many ways in my life. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) As a, as a a personal mantra, but, but having that be something that, how much would you love that to walk into a company and, oh my gosh. And see that. 
or know that your friend works for a company and they're going to talk right. about that too. So, you know, and this podcast focuses on companies, but also on consumers as well. I mean, that's a squirrel. You may work for a company, but you're also a consumer, right? We're all consumers yes. in one way or uh, producers of something, whether it's a producer of encouragement for our family, because we are running the corporation of your family. You're running the corporation of your own personal life, like me. Right. You've in your empty nester phase ish and running this second different phase of your life. I was like, right. I'm on third phase. I don't know. 82. (laughs) I'm going to keep going. You know what I I love about people first companies? This is so important, everyone. See, to me, if someone says they graduated from Harvard Business School, I go, oh, I'm so sorry. Because you have to understand, this is what people, I believe People First Companies is is doing. They're dissolving this behavior that when you go and are accepted into HBS, Harvard Business School, you are a certain type of person who is going to be using this degree nine out of 10 times as a passport to your Fortune 500 leadership role where you are amplifying shareholder value only. It's never about the employees. It's never about the customers. It's always about the shareholders. That's how they train you at Harvard Business School, in my humble opinion. And yes, they have some great review documents that they put out and undergrad is great. But just look at uh, Sharon, who's the Facebook woman. Oh, well, her name will come back to me. The COO. Same thing, you know, she can't help it. She was indoctrinated when she got her Harvard Business School MBA and they bring it with them everywhere they go. This needs to be dismantled. They are going to be losing. And I'm going to give you some stats because we love stats, right? Yes. Cheryl Sandberg, by the way, that was going to drive you Cheryl, thank you. Yes, yes. My brain could not pull her That's up today, okay. folks. We, we weren't speaking highly of her in a sense. But. Anyway, well, you know, there's a lot, you know, that she has. It's complicated. Um, yeah, it's complicated. Mm-hmm. And there's good and, and not so good. But anyway. Um, yeah, yeah, so throw some, some stats these, at me. Well, you that. know, there's this Just Capital did a great article on the top 10 companies that treat employees best. And you have to see, well, how are they measure, measuring that? So, you know, one, it's about having the right benefit packages for the people where they live, meaning, you know, there are benefit packages that benefit the privilege. But what would be a benefit to an employee who's got three kids, right? You know, the backup dependent care, daycare, you know, subsidized child care, plenty of time off for parental leave. You know, Salesforce has really been working hard at on their workforce demographics. So this is a company that... When they set out, they their goal was to reach 50% representation of underrepresented groups in its U.S. workforce by 2003, and they're close to that number. Microsoft actually is really about making sure they hire uh, underrepresented outsourced services. But you know, one of my favorites is J.P. Morgan Chase because this is this hits women right where they live and anybody in the minority world. The, they were totally about um, and love disclosing it's not their non-white to white pay ratio. Wow. So the company's latest pay equity analysis, and you know, we we're always hearing this number: seventy-nine cents to the dollar. You know, forty-nine cents if you're a Latina, you know, that kind of thing. They are tracking it and they can say they haven't closed it completely, 
But right now, the white to non-white ratio is 99 cents per every dollar. So the minority employees are earning 99 cents to every dollar their white peer employee is earning. You know that's what my dream in- is? Normalizing that number instead of that's incredible, isn't it? Yeah. I, I, it, it doesn't like, and, and you see it in the world of sports. One of my favorite stories is Billie Jean King and what she did for women in sports getting equal pay. Oh my gosh, was she raked over the coals, but she paved the way and still they're struggling to get equal pay, right? But who can you imagine if you get even better turnout? I mean, let's get to the bottom line money. Yes. If you get more people fanning and showing up for your games, you deserve to get paid more. Women's soccer in the U.S. I was about to say women's soccer league, WNBA, that that yeah. turned out and the and the numbers. It, it's so. insane, and they still get a fraction of what the male players get. So you know we have a long way to go. So for me and my role in the world as a champion of startup founders, as a four times founder myself. I invite everybody to always be thinking so that we can do what you know people first is doing is helping people rewire their brain and their neuropaths so that they're constantly thinking, oh, I'd love to give this person the gig, but you know what? I really need the diverse hire because my business is going to do better by having that person on board. And the real number when women go to raise money, Mia, it is so hard, as I mentioned earlier. But the most important number that just has come out year after year is that women-led companies make at least, if not more than 10%, more revenue and profitability than male-led companies. So what is, if VCs are always saying, well, it's about the dollar, then why are you struggling giving women dollars? Prove it. (laughs) And the thing that really upsets me is when these funds talk about, well, we've already met our minority investment for the year. What the hell is that about? Who set that check mark up for you, sir? Right. Or person. (laughs) Oh my God. You know, so I'm sorry that is so there's just so much to work on. So when I, there is, I, there's a lot of companies out there. I mentor a wonderful Big, big um, event happens every year out of the Halt International School of Business, and it's called the Halt Prize. And every year, it's about how can we make our planet a better place? And the winner gets a million dollars. And it's the most inspirational event that I get, pitch event that I get to be part of, because it starts off with the campuses and then regional and then the international final pitch. And I'm, I'm usually a judge on that. And So these companies, folks, it is so exciting and it just gives me so much hope because they're creating something that will help people get jobs going again, that saves the environment, that lowers the carbon footprint, that feeds people, that makes eating more affordable, that makes people happier in their work. It's one business idea that is doable after another. And when you see people coming together with this level of purpose and passion, a diverse group of folks... Oh my gosh. So this is the economy of the future where we come together to have profitable, sustainable businesses that have equity and pay and are diverse and are working passionately toward a purpose that helps planet, helps the world. It it reminds me of a guest we had over the holidays for dinner. And he was asking our son who's entering the job market with his newly minted uh, college degree in game design. He said, yes, but how are you going to help the world? You know, and how are you going to be happy doing it? 
And are you going to get good at it? You know, it's that Ikigai diagram, you know, Mm, which I love. It can't all be perfect, but the salary discrepancies between, this was not the way of the 60s or even in the 70s. This is since the 80s, the CEOs getting benefits packages that are ridiculous and the boards that are allowing them. I have to plug JP Morgan one more time because I didn't know this. I just learned that they have 50% of their board is female. This is another thing, you know, about the new economy. You've got to have diversity on your board. So if you're a publicly traded company or private with a board, you need to have diversity there. Amen. You just dropped so many amazing knowledge bombs. I cannot wait for everyone to hear this podcast. Tell us where you really did. And thank you for all the action items too. For the stats and the action items, we could spend so much time being angry and mad about the reality of it, which is viable. However, I love having guests on that talk about stats, who's doing it right and what you can do to really change and imagine a new economy. Tell us where we find you because you're doing all kinds of type, all kinds of fun interviews with founders, which I love. Oh my gosh. So much fun. It's called the startup life live show. I go live on most Tuesdays and Fridays at 12 PM EST. You can yeah, links will be in the show notes, but it's, yes. and you can find me everywhere I glow. I'm on every social media platform and it's Andy, A-N-D-E, Lyons, L-Y-O-N-S. I'd love to meet you and learn more about how you're serving the world and what makes your heart sing with joy. Wonderful. Thank you so much. Thanks for bringing all that good information to us today. Oh, my pleasure. Thank you for inviting me to talk about something that's so important <sighs> to passion. the world's well-being. Amen. Thank you so much. Hey, make sure to follow Andy and check out the Startup Life Live show. You can find all the links in the show notes. If you'd like to be a part of the People First Companies movement, you can find out more at peoplefirstcompanies.net or send us an email at info at peoplefirstcompanies.net. If you like what you're hearing on this podcast, please subscribe and leave us a review. We'll see you on the next episode.